y'all. Welcome to Shelf Life, a podcast where I, Nicole Barbosa, chat with some of the coolest people in publishing about the wonderful world of books. In each episode, my guest and I will chat all about their book, Real or Imaginary, and then place it on a shelf alongside other authors and books that inspire them. Great literature frozen in time. It's definitely one for all the bibliophiles. In today's episode, I am on cloud nine talking to the Nicole Dennis Ben, author of Here Comes the Sun and Patsy, two books that are beloved by readers and aspiring and established writers around the world. I am definitely one of those readers, and one of my favorite things is connecting with fellow readers who love Nicole's books as much as I do. In Here Comes the Sun, which was published in 2016, we are transported to Montego Bay, Jamaica. The beautiful beaches and blue seas of Jamaica are present in this beautiful novel, but it's the four central characters, Margot, Tandy, Dolores, and Verdine, who live and work so hard to contribute to their community outside of paradise that stay with you long after you close the book. During the day, Margot works at the front desk at the Palm Star Resort, and at night, she sleeps with the hotel's wealthiest guests. In Margot's selfless effort to shield her 15-year-old sister, Tandy, from this life, she agrees to take on an opportunity for financial independence and freedom, but also the chance to finally commit to Verdine Moore, who she's loved in secret for a long time. A secret Margot has kept from so many people, including her mother, Dolores, who makes it very clear through her words and actions that she strongly disapproves of Margot's choices. The journeys that these four women ultimately take are equal parts heartbreaking and beautiful. I love this book. And Nicole's second book, Patsy, which was published in 2019, is another beautiful story about family, sacrifices, love, and belonging. The book begins in Jamaica, where we meet Patsy, who has just received her long-awaited American visa, her ticket, an opportunity to leave Jamaica and join her friend, Cicely, who has been writing letters to Patsy from New York. These letters contain promises of a happier life, memories of young love, and glimpses of how they could spend this new life together in America. However, Patsy's yearning for this new life with Cicely means that she will leave her five-year-old daughter, True, behind. And while this isn't an easy decision for Patsy, it's her determination to love who she wants to on her own terms that ultimately helps her board the plane to New York. But when she arrives in Brooklyn to find that the promises from Cicely were merely words, Patsy now has to work a variety of jobs to pay for a life she didn't sign up for. I loved absolutely everything about this book, particularly the chapters from True's perspective. Across 10 plus years, we have the privilege of seeing True grow up, build a relationship with her father, Roy, and come to terms with her own sexuality and identity. Both Patsy and True's journeys are bittersweet. On the one hand, you want them to reunite, but on the other hand, it is so beautiful to see them become the people they were always meant to be. Both books have a special place in my heart, and it was an absolute honor to chat with Nicole about her books, her strong, beautiful female characters, and the importance of having Patsy's name on a book cover. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I am in the presence, virtual presence, but I am in the presence of the incredible, the amazing, the super, super talented Nicole Dennis-Ben. I can't even tell you what a thrill and what an honor this is to have you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I've been following you for years. I've obviously been a great admirer. And I was lucky enough to meet you in person last July when you and Candice were talking at an event at Foils in London. And it was just absolutely incredible to have you both up there on stage talking about your books. Obviously, Candice talking about Queenie, you talking about Here Comes the Sun and talking about Patsy. You know those events that you are present for and you attend and 
you literally lose all sense of time because it is just the most engrossing, the most beautiful chat between two incredible storytellers. And you're absolutely transported to wherever their book is based or where they're talking. And, and, and you literally, getting the chills and the feelings as, I've just, as I'm feeling now, you're just transported and it's absolutely incredible. And I, I remember when you had finished and when you were at, at the table signing and we gave each other the biggest hug and it was just so much joy. It really was just the best experience. And I would really just like to say that is exactly what your books are. They are just the most transporting beautiful experiences so I will sheepishly admit that I am still reading Here Comes the Sun um so I feel like there are certain authors and there are certain books that I don't want to rush to read there are certain books and authors that I want to take my time with um and Patsy as you know was one of my favorite books of 2019 and is one of my favorite books of all time. And here comes the sun. You know, I'm only just finished chapter six, but I know that it is just going to be so special for me as well. But I feel like we have to really start this episode talking about an award that you have won. So you won the Lambda Literary Award for Lesbian Fiction for Patsy, which is just the best thing in the world. And you won a Lambda for Here Comes the Sun as well. And I just really would love to hear from you. I mean, do you have an award shelf? I I don't have an award shelf. However, there's a small nook in my bookshelf where I put them. You know, I put the, the Here Comes the Sun Award and also the Patsy Award. So now they're all together like little children in a, in a photograph. I mean, it has been a, a tremendous pleasure to, to have one, the la, two Lammies in a row for two books. Yeah, I felt like Lambda sees me as an author. I feel like they have been there from the beginning of my career. And to see them now honoring me this way you know, giving my books these big awards. Um, it just touches me in a deep way. I'm really honored by that. And I highly recommend everyone to go and find Nicole's acceptance speech when she won uh, earlier this year because it's just such a, a moving, lovely speech. Just out of curiosity, because I've wanted to ask you this for a while. Yes. Literally, Nicole, I mean, you can't go on social media. You can't go on the internet without seeing you and your book and your f- beautiful face everywhere. Do you kind of step back sometimes and I know that you're immensely proud and I know you're immensely honored you're just that wonderful of a person and and you take it in strides and everything as well but do you step back sometimes and just think oh my gosh what actually is happening right now I have like many times like I don't even think there's a there's a time period when I ask that question you know and you know what what I really love um is that I'm writing about the I'm writing the stories of working class Jamaican women you know, and these are women, um, usually, you know, our voices were, have always been silenced. You know, I was born and raised in Jamaica and, you know, born to, to actually honor our silences and shame more than our own voice. So the, the fact that I'm here, I have this platform, I'm putting um, lives into a character like Patsy and True and Margot, Tandy and Dolores and Verdine. It means a lot that the world is, has embraced them. You know, um, from people from all walks of life, um, looking at these stories, reading these women, reading my voice, my stories and saying, oh, you know, she's worthy of a good read. And, you know, so when I when I step back, that's what everything that I think about, like, wow, you know, people actually want to read our stories. They want to hear us. And, you know, even though, yes, I, re- I do write um, in Jamaican dialect in the dialogue and people are really willing to slow down and listen and read and go along with these characters. And so um, that's that's where the honor comes in that. I, you know, the, those words, those people are worthy to, to, to engage 
to engage with. So yeah, I really think about that all, all the time. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're thinking about you and your books all the time as well. And I feel like your writing style and the way that you write is quite honestly, unlike many other authors that I have read. And I feel like there is something so generous and rich with your writing. And I feel like as well, and I'm sure you've heard this and many people have said this before as well, that, you know, Jamaica or Brooklyn or wherever you're setting your book is a very much a prominent character in your stories as well. Like I said, you are transported, but I actually had the great privilege of going to Jamaica last Christmas. So we went on a, a cruise and we went in, we docked at Falmouth and I was just so excited to be there. And then we went to Montego Bay <laughs> from the sun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So when I was reading that, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And we went to Montego Bay and it was just absolutely incredible. We ate at a place, I think it was called the Pork Pit. It was absolutely delicious and it was just such a great time. But you don't have to be in Jamaica or go to Jamaica to be transported in your books. You let go and you just enjoy it. And it is just such, honestly amazing and I know that there's literally not going to be a single listener that hasn't read Pat's Here Comes the Sun or heard of these books but um, if you could give a summary of what both your beautiful books are about that would be great. Yeah so let me start with the first one which which is Here Comes the Sun. So Here Comes the Sun um, follows the lives of three women who uh, well actually four women you know who actually are they're trying to navigate this huge resort coming into their neighborhood into their township of Riverbank Montego Bay and you know, trying to survive that, trying to trying to survive the imposition of the tourism industry on this small fisherman village. And so it's Dolores, Tandy, and Margot, the three main protagonists who, you know, Dolores is a market vendor. She sells in the stalls to, to tourists coming to the country. Margot is a hotel desk clerk who by night prostitutes herself with the hopes that her sister Tandy would never end up like her. You know, Tandy is the one in the family, the young daughter who's 15, who Margot and Dolores feels that she's the one who's going to pull the family out of poverty. So they put immense pressure on, on Tandy um, so that they can actually move away from Riverbank. Um, and of course, there's Verdine Moore, who Margot is in love with, but because Margot is more um, socialized to survive more than anything else, can't really fully embrace that love. But really, that back and forth happens throughout the entire book, as all the women now fight to grapple with the imposition of this tourist, this um, whole resort um, about to take over Riverbank. Um, and yeah, it taps into identity, belonging, displacement, um, for sure. Um, and also showing how, you know, there's that exploitation of the land itself, parallel with exploitation of women's bodies. Um, you know, who has ownership, you know, of those things? And really questions, you know, really who owns paradise? You know, Jamaica is sold to the world as a paradise. But really what Here Comes the Sun does is it kind of explores the other side of paradise. It taps in, it shows you the people behind that fantasy, the working class Jamaican people, women um, in the society, and what they have to go through um, from day to day. Uh, meanwhile, Patsy now um, takes place in both Jamaica and Brooklyn, New York. Um, Patsy follows one woman whose dream is to um, find her place in the world. You know, here she is born and raised as a working class Jamaican woman, feeling that she has nothing to offer, nothing, not even to her own daughter, who is five years old, True, who she ends up leaving behind in Jamaica um, on a quest to go to America for a better life. Um, but mostly 
not only for a better life, but the ability to love the way she wants to love and kind of run away from the role of motherhood. She doesn't feel like she was made for that role. And the story follows both Patsy and her daughter, True. True comes of age in Jamaica, who um kind of coming into her own identity um, as a, a gender non-conforming person living on the island, but also, also questioning her mother's abandonment. You know, um, you know, why did Patsy leave? And so this book, Patsy um, actually questions then, what do we lose or gain when we choose ourselves, especially as women in society? Um, so yeah, both books actually speak to each other. You know, um, in one book, Here Comes the Sun, Margot, who's the main protagonist, stays in Jamaica and hustles as a working class Jamaican woman who was ne never given anything in society that can help her up, um, you know, help her to become better. While Patsy leaves, you know, Patsy gets her six month visa to America and leaves it with hopes of getting that um, better life that she craves as a working class Jamaican woman. So um, yeah, both books really tap into that. You know, what what is life like um, for those people behind that fantasy of a country um, where, you know, when you think about Jamaica, you think about Bob Marley and the beaches and all those things, but never really seen the hustle behind that, right, the interior lives of the people um, there. What I think is really great about your book, as you said, is that it's not just a paradise, it's not just a resort. Um, someone said to me the other day, when you go on holiday, you're visiting someone else's job you're visiting someone else's work. When people are coming to stay at this resort, they're visiting Margot's place of work. Exactly. But for her on a day-to-day -day basis, this is her life. I really loved that you saw the working class and the paradise side that is sold to tourists. Actually, the, um, the reason why I wrote the book, you know, returning to the island as, at the time I had was gone for a very long time and I returned um, back home in 2010. And I kind of got to see from that perspective of a tourist looking in and, you know, noticing that, well, you know, these people are here, they're serving us, you know, but yet still I was raised with these people. I was raised in Vineyard Town, Kingston. I know what the, what, it, what the hustle is like, but yet still knowing that, well, you know, they're easily invisible to a lot more people coming into the island, wanting to have fun, wanting, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing with vacationing and wanting to have fun. You know, we all want to get away to some place, right? But the thing that I um, resented was that these people are doing so much bending backwards to sell a country that doesn't really care about them. You know, uh, when you look at the places where they live compared to where the touristy stuff are, like the, um, the hotels and the, the attractions and all those things, it's a stark difference. You know, the, the hotels would, would brag about hiring working class Jamaicans, but they don't pay them. You know, there's, there's still school fee that they can't afford for their own children. You know, um, there are things that they can't even do. Like they can't even travel to other countries just to see what the world looks like. They can only get glimpses of it through the tourists that they speak to on the island. You know, so little things like that I was privy to. And so when I sat down to write Here Comes the Sun, I kind of sat down with that, um, kind of with that resentment, you know, multiple resentments. There's that resentment, one, of the exploitation of our country by the tourism industry that doesn't pay us. But there's also the resentment of the colorism and classism that I experienced growing up there, uh, which was unresolved, still unresolved. I think I'm still grappling with that in my works. And there's also the um, the resentment of, you know, there is this, of course, homophobia. I mean, yes, not, not, not to say everywhere in the world isn't homophobic, but in Jamaica, 
there was always discussion about the homophobia, but not the pedophilia that happens where young girls are raped and nobody questions the pedophile. You know, instead they'll sit there and have conversation about a gay man needing to go somewhere else because he's, it doesn't belong or she, a gay woman doesn't belong. You know, so those are the conversations I was having in Here Comes the Sun um, in writing a character like a Verdine Moore who people are, you know, trying to get rid of in in Riverbank. But yet still there's Clover, the, the known rapist, the known pedophile walking around like he's a man of the town. You know, nobody's saying anything to him. You know, Dolores has him come over fixing the roof, you know, for for example. And so those are the things that I'm like, okay, let me explore the irony of this, the irony of religiosity. Another thing too, like you, you look at a colonized place like Jamaica and you realize that most of our hangups come from the religion that we were given to actually suppress us, oppress us even more as a people. And so wanting desperately to have that conversation, not only with my people, but people in general, you know, and I kind of continue that conversation with Patsy. Um, if you notice Mama G, you know, looking to her Jesus figurines more than her own child, who sits, who is coming of age, seeing that her mother has more Jesus figurines than food in the cupboard. You know, what is that? You know, and so I, I wanted, I really wanted to, um, I guess, use a stick with my words to like poke at it or maybe hold up a mirror so people can actually see what's really going on. And I think that is immensely important and essential as well, especially when people are reading this and they they want to turn to fiction, nonfiction, poetry to understand those voices and to hear those voices and to to see um, those stories and to read those stories. And it's really interesting because when here comes the sun, so Margot... You know, the women in the town and even her own mother are kind of giving Margot this, you're too good, you think you're too good for this and that. But at the same time, there is an area of Jamaica that condones that and wants to to have that, that shiny, flashy, aren't we the best, come and stay at our resort. It's a facade. Right. And, it, and it's, right. Kind of, it's kind of on the outside exactly inviting and, and want people to, to come and, and draw people into it. But then when our own women... Are, are acting, you know, like they want more for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's not okay. And I found irony in that as well. The, the beauty of this resort that, you know, like I said, I'm still early days in this book, but the beauty of this resort that's being viewed by so many people, tourists, you know, working class, everyone that's in Jamaica, but yet Margot's not allowed to to feel that way about herself. And But then on the other hand, Tandy, because she's 15, and I know there's a 15-year age difference between the two of them, but it's okay for her to want more. But it's not okay for Margot to want more. And I also found myself wanting to know about Dolores. Maybe she wants more. Maybe she wants more than, than what's there. I know she wants more from her daughters. I'm giving a little bit away, but it's the first year that her daughters haven't given her a birthday card. She's just had a passing birthday, and she's just had one of her stallholder you know, friends make a passing comment about how her daughters don't care about her, and it's really wounded her, and it's really burned her, and Verdine as well. You look at these yeah. four women, and it's like, but they want more, and it's okay yeah. that they want more, so why is this being looked at as they're above their station? Yeah, it baffles me. I think it has always been a plight of women in society, period. You know, um, the, this daring to want more, you know, daring to, yeah, just want more. And also, you know, rising above to the point where you threaten to get into somebody else's lane. You know, God forbid it's a man's lane, you know. And so for uh, Margot, yeah, she says to her, she looks around and she says to herself, listen, I was not given the tools to rise above my working class status, but she definitely felt robbed. You know, Margot was not given the education that Tandy has. You know, she couldn't afford it. And school in Jamaica is not free. There's no public school system there. Is that you can afford it or you don't. 
and Margot could not afford it. So now she's working at the resort and she's now seeing what better life looks like. And she's like, actually, I deserve this. You know, um, and again, begging that question, who owns paradise? Like she knows, she knows she, that's her, that's her birthright as well. And so she's willing to take it by any means necessary, which ultimately she ends up becoming, I mean, I, I hate to say the word villain, but because she wants it so badly, you know, she uses what she has, which is her sexuality. You know, she prostitutes herself at night, but then she ends up becoming this madame and getting what she needs, what she desires in terms of money, in terms of clout. Um, by selling these young girls. And so ultimately Margot got what she wanted for sure. But at the same time, what did she lose? You know, and again, that there's again win and lose situation again. Same with um Dolores. Dolores always wanted more. Dolores wanted so much more, but she's kind of like the voice of our post-colonial scars. She's already self-loading um, in a sense. You know, she has this, um, later on in the book, you'll see like she tells Tandy, nobody loves a black girl, not even herself. And so for Dolores, she's already crushed. And so she now looks to her young daughter, Tandy, as the one. Like, at least you still got something. You still got that nice education. Um, you still got that, uh, that dream to be a doctor, which Tandy definitely does not want to do. She wants to be an artist, not a doctor. Uh, but she, can't, she doesn't have the heart to tell her mother and her sister that who that's what they want for her because they know that she, they don't want her to end up like them. You know, um, they want her to do to achieve the, the, the quote unquote right way and get her her um, piece of that pie and help them to get a piece as well. It goes back to what you said. It, it's not just Jamaica where this exists. The The role of women and, and women being put in their place is is a time after time after time, centuries after centuries. Um, and it just it begs the question for me, you know, we're here working this land, we're here putting in the time and the effort and the work. Right. Are you saying that we can't own a piece of it as well, of this this paradise right. that we've created, we've helped create? That's exactly it, Nicole. And that's what that's exactly what I you know tapped into, um, or wanted to yeah. um, at least tap, tap into with this book. Oh, it's infuriating. But I want to talk about the women um, specifically and just how these women are connected, but then they're also living very separate, different lives. And we hear from Margot, we hear from Verdine, we hear from Dolores and, and Tandy. And I really think it's interesting, especially because you do it in Patsy as well, the generational side of, of women's voices. And all women have very different hopes and dreams and wishes and futures. And I would love for you to, to talk about what you loved the most about creating these women and, and bringing these voices to life. Um, and, and I also wanted to ask as well, in, in terms also of the creation, when you're sitting down to write your immensely strong, powerful women characters, what do you have in your head? Who are you thinking of? What's inspiring you? Like, I would love for you to just talk about yeah. all of that. Yeah, I, oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. Um, I mean, sometimes it's a pleasure. Sometimes it's just, you know, a whole fight, um, writing characters on the page. I mean, we have my ups and downs with them. But writing a book like Here Comes the Sun, I feel like it was cathartic, you know, and I didn't realize how much resentment I had um, for the place I love so much, Jamaica, you know, um, until those characters came alive and spoke what I wanted to, to say. Um, you know, there's, there was Tandy who grapples with that um, inferiority complex that I suffered in high school, you know, as this dark skinned black girl um, at a very elite school in Kingston, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't belong here and I don't look the part, you know, I wasn't light enough. I didn't have the hair and the light eyes and all that to sit at a particular table. So that's really what, you know, Tandy goes through. Then there's Margot whose voice I needed to express that anger and the resentment, like, 
who owns paradise? You know, why can't I own paradise as well? You know, I have this whole group of Jamaicans who are upper class Jamaicans saying how beautiful Jamaica is because they have access to it. They have access to the beaches. They have their yacht parties at Maiden Cay. They have all these things. And um, and so the working class Jamaicans are kind of left out. And so here comes a Margot who is like, well, no, that, that can't be. I need to have this too. And I'm going to do it, whatever I need to do to, to get there. Um, and so I needed a, a, a person like her, a, a, um, you know, kind of like my crutch, right? my, my alter ego, I should say. And then I needed a Dolores to voice the post-colonial pains and scars that we still bring, we still carry as a country, you know, as a country that's um, like 50 odd years old. We're still young as a country. And so majority of, of us are still going through that, you know, who are we question, you know, um, especially the black population who have been told over and over again that we we are not worthy, you know, until uh, unless if we speak a certain way, unless if we wear our hair a certain way, unless if we have a particular complexion, you know. So again and again being told that, you know, already being defeated, I wanted a Dolores to speak to that. And then the more, more painful aspect of it is her imparting that on her own daughters, who are the younger generation coming up and knowing that, wow, we are already defeated. And so it's really that conversation, um, especially if, as women in our society, telling our stories, you know, the, the, the stories of exploitation, you know, of our um, being sexualized as young girls and nobody really caring about that. You know, all those things I wanted to say with that book, like Here Comes the Sun. And so the, the characters that came to me came to me because, yeah, I needed to speak about that through them. Then there's Patsy, who I sat down with, and Patsy was, like, like Margot, Patsy was challenging to write because I felt like both women want something more, but they were willing to sacrifice something very important to get it. You know, Margot sacrificed love, love with her own family and her romantic partner, Verdine Moore. Patsy sacrificed her young daughter, you know, leaving her five-year-old daughter True behind in order to get more, to find herself, really, you know, um, to find autonomy in this world, you know, where she had no choice to begin with um, as this working-class Jamaican woman or a woman in, in general. Um, so, yeah, it was really going back and forth with those two characters, knowing that they were going to do things that is not popular in terms of decision making, but they ended up teaching me a lot more about humanity. And that was really what I, I valued more than anything else in creating these characters on the page. And I, I feel that the, the beauty of the storytelling comes from these women not taking the safe roads and the choices that are handed to them, so to speak, in terms of what they're expected to take, but actually they're going to carve that path for themselves. And even though there is inevitably pain, and this this is for everyone, everybody endures pain at some point in their lives, unfortunately, but but the, the growth of these characters and their stories um, is yeah. felt so deeply as a reader. I mean, I, I'm not even exaggerating that I literally feel the pain and the happiness and the the laughter and everything of these women and honestly I haven't obviously gotten to the villain part of Margot but I love even the characters that we're not supposed to love even like in Patsy which we'll we'll get on to in a minute and I I don't care if I'm spoiling it for people because you have to just read these books but (laughs) but when Cicely has hurt Patsy in the worst way I still really liked Cicely and I think it's just these women, it's just hard not to like them and not love them because as women, we can empathize, we can understand what these women have gone through just reading their stories. We can sit here and we can spend 300 some odd pages 
and right. and and walk away and still feel that afterwards. And Thank you. I I want to I want to say that the selflessness that comes from Margot is also with a side of selfishness as well. So I find that really interesting about how so during the day she works at the Palm Star Resort and then as you said she sleeps with the hotel's highest paying customers. All of this in the way to, that she does it for her sister to help pay the bills at home for her for her mother and for her sister, but also to help her sister's education. For me, this love and admiration that she has for her sister clashes greatly with her frustration and obvious hurt that she has when Dolores, you know, the scene where Margot has decided to take a shower during the day and Dolores walks in and is just like, what is wrong with you? Why have you not done this in the morning? We're experiencing a drought. If I hadn't have, you know, cropped up on you, you would have just been here all day. And and Margot kind of right. walks through the house and is just like, but I just kind of need that time for myself. And for me, it was just because I was cooling off and I'm going back to work. And I would love for you to talk about how this generational pull and push mm-hmm. for the women in your books and mm-hmm. um, how you so beautifully interweave this into your book. So I know that you were saying that when you were sitting down to write Here Comes the Sun and you were naming all four characters and how they feed into where you are coming from from your perspective, but it's prominent throughout both books and I would love to just hear your, your yeah. writing process for how you interweave this so beautifully. Yeah, thank you for that. Um... So I always think, you know, for me personally as a storyteller, as a writer, I'm always drawn to um, generational trauma um, and generational um, stuff. Like I feel like, you know, you can't really know um, a main character, for example, if you don't know where they're from, if you don't know their their cultural context, their societal context. And I think the best way to do that is to tap into family line. Um, you know, who is imparting certain things, certain knowledge and certain um, mentality um, in them? You know, who's planting those seeds? And then how would those seeds be watered and grow and babe, and maybe either grow into branches that, that bears beautiful fruits or strangle them? You know, and so I'm always curious about that. And so in both books, I tap into the mother figure, Dolores, you know, um, and even before Dolores, there was Merle, uh, Merle, who is Dolores' mother. You know, now she's mute, but before that, there was something else going on there in the two women's relationship. Um, and then ultimately affecting the two daughters, Tandy and Margot, through the voice of Dolores. And then in Patsy, there is Mama G, who again imparts certain things into inside Patsy. You know, Patsy looking at her mother saying, I never, I don't want to be her. I don't want to be this. And looking at True, her own daughter saying, you know what, I don't want to do to you what my mother did to me. Let me push you off to somebody else who I think can raise you better. And that's how I deal with that in terms of tapping into that and knowing that within each generation, there's something that they're grappling with. With Patsy, there's mental health. You know, Mama G turns to the church, yes, but she also grapples with depression, like Patsy and like True, um, Patsy's daughter. And here comes the son. There is um, the trauma of um, sexual exploitation or, um, or rape. You know, which all women don't, don't want to talk about. You know, um, before Margot, you know, Dolores, you know, was a victim um, or a survivor, I should say. And then there was um, her own daughter, Margot. And then ultimately we, we realized what had happened to Tandy. You know, um, so again, exploring that aspect through generation, knowing that, well, in our culture, you know, or pe- that people don't talk about that. It's swept under the carpet. And even if somebody attempts to talk about it, it's like, hush, hush, like, oh, no, no, don't say that or don't speak badly of so-and-so, 
you know, and so it's a culture that I also wanted to tackle um, in those works um, and knowing that, well, these silences, this shame, you know, comes from the, the previous generation, you know, so kind of forcing the next generation to see that and hopefully change the course through dialogue. And we, in Here Comes the Sun, we learn as well that Verdine and Margot have had a relationship even before they have love for each other. So Verdine is older than Margot and she actually yeah. knew her as a young girl. And, right. and that's where I also find the connection and the community and coming together as women to support each other is really beautiful as well. I found the conversation between Margot and Maxie really interesting. So Maxie is such a fun character. He drives Margot home and, and drives her to the hotel. And I feel like this conversation and this topic has been following us since year dot, the controlling your own destiny. And again, it goes back to how dare women want to control their own destiny and the the constant questions and suspicions around like women who aren't married and women who don't have children. Margot is 30, but how dare she be 30 and not have children and not be married? There must be something wrong with her. There must be something wrong with her. And and Maxie is making these comments in the taxi one evening and I just would love your thoughts on whether you think this stigma god I hope not, but you know, this stigma about women getting married later in life or not getting married at all, or women having children later in life or choosing not to have children at all, whether you think the yeah. stigma is just going to continue. I feel like it might continue. Because um, I just feel like, you know, again, talking about generational trauma or generational um, messages that you're hearing, it's passed down. You know, it's, it's passed down. You know, people tend to echo their mothers and their grandmothers, whether or not it's subconscious. I guess I guess it's probably subconscious because looking at a little girl and giving her a doll, for example, is like saying to her, there is an expectation there. You know, why not give a boy a doll as well? You know, and so I feel like until that stops, I think it's going to continue. You know, um, yes, I did write it in, in all my books in terms of women being questioned for not having children at a certain age or for not marrying at a certain age. You have Margot who definitely relished that freedom. Um, yes, she's in love with Verdine more, and that's who she probably had, would have wanted to have a family with if her culture permitted it um, and time. But yeah, she, she was questioned by a man. Well, you're, you're single. Why, why not me? You know, and then there's a Patsy in, 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 the, uh, in the novel, Patsy, who openly says to herself that she's not ready to be a mother. She never wanted it. You know, um, and then viewed as a pariah as a result of that. Um, like any woman in society who admits to not wanting children, they're looked at suspiciously. Like, what? Really? Who are you? So I wanted to like write against that, kind of also write the stories of these women for sure. Given that we don't hear those narratives, because like rape, like any other traumas in life, or like things that are that people want to look away from, those things are not said out loud. So I kind of gravitate towards the things that are not said out loud, and. Um, that's one of them. And so, yes, I, I continued that conversation that Margot started in Here Comes the Sun with Patsy, who openly now say, well, th this is this is my reality, but I don't want that. You know, um, kind of also daring the reader now to say, OK, question themselves as well. You know, most of the, the criticisms I've gotten for Patsy uh, was like, oh, you know, we can't stand this woman who walked away from her child. Like, how dare she? Uh, but then there's the other parties who would come and say, actually, we understand why she would do such a thing. You know, um, this woman was not given a choice, you know, and some women actually, you know, never wanted to be mothers and or felt like they weren't good enough or to be one. And dialogue then would expand to 
what is motherhood? You know, uh, motherhood being put on this pedestal where women are um, are socialized that they have to be perfect at it. They have no no leg room to make mistakes. You know, to be human. You know, and so that that that's a discussion that Patsy started. Um, and so I wanted to have those discussions happening because if, if those haven't started, then the next generation will take on those um, those things that were, that are imposed on us. And I think it again goes back to what I said. It is so very important and essential that these voices and these stories are being written and being shared in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Because as you said, I am so grateful, and I've said it multiple times to authors that I've, I've had the privilege of speaking to for this podcast, people will pick up your books, they will pick up books, and they will they will say, I see myself in this, oh my gosh, I see someone who has made the same choices as I have, and it's okay. And, and it's okay to, to feel a certain way and to make a certain choice. And I, I feel like this very nicely brings us on to Patsy. We're going to leave Margot and, and, and Dolores and, and Verdine and, and Tandy for a minute to, to move on to Patsy. And I, I'm going to try really hard to talk about this without becoming um, emotional because this book is everything to me. And I've had the privilege of hearing you speak about Patsy in person. I've been on, you know, videos where you've been talking to, oh my gosh, your chat with Roxane Gay. I mean, again, one, one of those moments that I was just like milestone, life milestone. But the power, and I'm holding up your book, so obviously people can't see this, but the power behind having a woman's name as the title and having it on the cover. And you've spoken about this quite a bit, actually, about saying everyone knows a Patsy, say her name. And I just want to talk about, even before you turn to the first page, you know that obviously Patsy, and this was before all of the love that's come for your book, you know that Patsy is going to be important. But then you finish the book and it's like, oh my gosh, not only do I know that Patsy is incredibly important, but she is going to stay right here and right here and in your soul forever, like forever. Um, And I honestly, it, it is just so magical, Nicole. And I would love to know how you feel when readers fellow writers, literally everyone (laughs) around the world is saying to you how much your book, how much Patsy has meant to them. I know we kind of touched on it earlier about how you feel, you know, about the awards and everything, but specifically looking at Patsy because that she is your most recent gift. How do you feel when someone says that? I'm truly humbled. I should say truly humbled. And Here's why, because, you know, there's something, um, like you said, in terms of that name, Patsy, you know, we all know a Patsy, you know, any, you could ask any Caribbean person, um, you know, who, if they have a Patsy in their family or a friend, they'll say yes. And so to see this woman's name on this book, that's in every bookstore, on every list, on every, whatever you name, you see Patsy's there on every list. And so it humbles me to see that because, like I said before in our interview, um, I'm writing about a Jamaican woman, a working class Jamaican woman who she's never she she wasn't given much in life. She never had not even the choices to make her own decisions, not over her body or what she wants. And so for Patsy to now say to herself, I want to find my place in the world. I want to migrate to the U.S. I want to my own freedom, you know, um, for her to say that and to actually do it. And, you know, in a compelling way that people still follow her, though she made that un- unlikely 
decision of leaving a daughter behind, people embracing her and her humanity, knowing that this is a woman who has a heart still, but at the same time, she needed to do what she needed to do in order to survive. You know, um, and it really humbled me to see that she has has slipped into the hearts of so many people, you know, who know who can actually step inside her shoe to know what she's feeling, what she's going through. Yes, there's that guilt of leaving her daughter behind, but there's that desperation of wanting so much to claim herself, to claim a part of who she is that has kind of slipped away. In that Patsy was already defeated from nine years old. You know, her own mother turned her back on her um, for religion. You know, and so she looked to a girl, Cicely, who society tells her that Cicely is the one to be friends with. You know, Cicely, who has the light skin and the light eyes, who, quote unquote, chose Patsy as a friend. And Patsy latches on to that um, for some sense of validation. And so by the time Cicely left for the U.S., Patsy was willing to follow her across the ocean because that was the one person who gave her the attention she craves, you know. Um, so Patsy was willing to leave everything behind to follow Cicely with the hopes of loving Cicely in a place like America, where she thought would be a grand place with nice roads and opportunities. And turns out that it was far from from reality. It was far far from the truth. America and Cicely's love were both lies. Um, especially of course now Patsy you now having to navigate as an undocumented immigrant, but. In terms of her name itself, I thought that that was something powerful in leaving the title as Patsy because really the book is about Patsy. It's about Patsy coming of age into herself as a woman. You know, yes, it starts when she's 28 years old, but she is a late bloomer. And I wanted that this book to be a woman coming into herself. And ultimately, yes, finding her place in society, finding home within herself. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it's a part, it's a huge project that that's dear to me because Patsy is an important character to me, obviously, um, as well as true. And so I wanted, I really was so happy to see that the world received her as such. Yeah, we'll talk about True in a minute because you know how I feel about True. I want to go back to and talk about it in both of your books really quickly. The sense of your characters clinging and going to love where they can't get it where they perhaps want to get it, but they're going towards that love. Um, so just going and back and looking at Here Comes the Sun. So Margot isn't, and I, I'm not saying necessarily that she wouldn't want to be with Verdine if her mother was loving and, 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 and giving her the attention that she wants, but it felt like at times, and again, I appreciate I'm, I'm early in, you know, and her mother says to her, I know you're not spending the nights here. And she's like, I'm 30 years old. I can spend the night wherever I want to. And, but she's, she wants to love Verdine. I know she does. She she goes to her and she says, I'm ready. And and Verdine knows that she isn't, even though her words are saying that she yeah. is. Um, and so she's not ready to to be loved, even though she could see them as a couple. And it, it's very much similar to Patsy and Cicely. So there are some tender, tender moments. Patsy and Cicely are sat on the pullout bed down in the basement where Patsy is staying. And they're just sat there together and they're just kind of being together and they're caressing each other and they're they're holding each other and they're just kind of having that moment and right. for me it is so important and so essential to have the black female queer narrative come through in not only just your books but in fiction nonfiction, and, and poetry around the yeah. world because it is a narrative that is so important and matters so greatly and again I feel like this sense of belonging this sense of of knowing who you are is so difficult 
on the best of days. But yeah. then but then to be born and to be brought up in a society that says that who you love and who you want to be is not enough or not good enough or cannot exist. But then when you look at a book like Patsy, so you have Patsy's journey to Sicily, and then we'll talk about Claudette in a, in a bit because I love her and Claudette right, together. Yes. But then we see True, and we see her come into her belonging and who she wants to be. And it's very interesting because if Patsy hadn't have left, and I, I think about this all the time, if Patsy yeah. hadn't have left, we would not have True's story the way that it is. And I love True's story the way that it is because as much as it broke my heart that Patsy did leave her, I loved that True was able to find out who she was in spite of the fact that her mother left. And also she was able to find out who she was truly meant to be through football, the fact that she was able to have that relationship with her father, Roy, um, and she found strength in being herself in a place, as I said, that isn't necessarily welcoming. So this idea of self-identity and belonging is so powerful throughout both of your books, but particularly in Patsy. And I would really love for you to talk more about True's narrative, because I remember messaging you when I was kind of getting into those really deep chapters of True and the happy ending that she had. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I never really even thought about the ending of Patsy like that. Because I, so this is what I was thinking when I was writing Patsy. I definitely wanted True to have a different path. I knew that Patsy definitely left True behind because she knew ultimately that True would be better off raised by Roy. You know, Roy was the one who gave True her freedom. You know, here Patsy left True with this uh, message, you know, be a good obedient girl and I'll be back for you, which is a lie, but it's also a cage because True was nothing, nothing, she never thought of herself as a girl to begin with. You know, so to carry this guilt was something that was kind of burdensome. You know, it was unfair to True. What Roy did, he allowed True to be true. He allowed her to have to play her soccer, you know, to spend time with her friends who are boys, who, you know, True is just as well respected as any of them. The Sierra is one of the, one of the boys. And she sees herself as that as well. And, you know, that wouldn't have fly if, if Patsy was the one who was raising her, you know. And so for True's ending, I wanted to give her that. I wanted to give her what Patsy never had which was freedom, you know, which was the ability to, um, to actually be that change, you know, to put change, to be on this trajectory where she's going to break free from whatever was binding her as a female in Jamaica or as a gender non-conforming person in Jamaica. She was actually the one who would get out, who would do something more, something that her mother could not even dream of. So yeah, so Patsy ultimately gave her that freedom by leaving her behind, which again was something that, you know, I, I'm glad you're ha- we're having this discussion because, again, the the, um, the prominent narrative um, was, oh, Patsy leaving True unfairly. But really, Patsy was giving her that freedom when she left. Usually, society thinks, oh, it's the mother that's the best person to raise the child or the mother is the best person to raise the girl child. But contrary to that, it was Roy who was actually the best person to raise True, you know, not Patsy. So, yeah, I wanted True to have that. And I wanted Patsy to have her freedom as well. You know, she went to America to find a sense of self to find that home um, within herself, ultimately. But also she found love. I mean, Cicely broke her heart, yes, but she found Claudette. And I wanted her to have that companionship. You know, I didn't want to leave Patsy as, as this desexualized, undocumented immigrant figure in America. I wanted to have her fun as well, have her sexuality being explored, you know, and satisfied. 
Um, and so Claudette came as that perfect partner for her, that hope in this world um, for Patsy. You know, we don't know yet, you know, whether or not um, Patsy and True would, um, True's relationship would mend completely. Um, given that in reality, when that happens, when a mother or a father abandons children, that conversation can take years to have, you know, for them to reconcile that loss. And so that would take uh, 400 more pages of a book to write, you know, that kind of complete forgiveness um, between True and um, Patsy. But I kind of left it open-ended where both of them are satisfied at, at the point in their lives right now. Um, you know, True winning her soccer match and um, getting an offer to study at Cambridge and Patsy ultimately, you know, still being in New York with Claudette, but knowing that her daughter is well. You know, knowing that, you know, there is a possibility, there's an open door there. You now leaving the reader now to pull it, push, push their own imagination in there to find out, well, what would have happened then in the next meeting you know, or the next phone call? I remember when you were doing the chat with Esme, I messaged my question about the scene in Patsy where Patsy walks past Sicily and the Christmas tree and the window. And that is one of my favorite scenes. It is heartbreakingly, gloriously beautiful to read. But when Patsy walks away from Sicily, from her imagined future with Sicily, you know, she has letters that she's brought with her thinking about how they were back in Jamaica. It is heartbreaking to witness, but even though you feel Patsy's pain and her disappointment and her confusion, like, you know, I, I don't understand. I got here. Like, this is this is what we were, we were supposed to have and what we were supposed to be. But then this future, you know, happens, which is incredible. And you wouldn't have that happy ending with Patsy and Claudette and, and the love and the, ooh, the sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're delicious. Because another thing to know, I know the conversation has always been about, yeah, queer, queer identity and um, yeah. the happy endings. And it's an yeah. ongoing conversation yeah. because... You know, in all honesty, it also depends on the characters and the story. Not to say I'm going to kill off the next characters, but I always to also sit down to think realistically, can this end this way? You know, um, you know, and kind of go back and forth with with endings. You know, it's hard to come with come up with endings, but I don't mindfully say, okay, I want a happy ending um, or I want a sad ending. It just happens when the story comes to that to a, a close, and ultimately, I'm like, okay, how would this realistically? end you know um yeah so that's that's how i think about it i don't really think about it in the context of okay it's a queer story so i have to put a happy ending yeah you know um on it or oh it's a black story so oh gosh you know black people die all the time in fiction i have to make them live if if i think like that then i end up sabotaging my story you know because that that definitely might take the story in another direction that it shouldn't be in yeah. Um, so I think really carefully before um, attaching an ending to a story. Um, sometimes it might the reader might get mad at me, and sometimes not. But I'm, I'm glad that Patsy, you know, the people weren't mad. Patsy and Claudette's ending is so amazing. I, I could never be mad at that. It just it, it like yeah. you said it it just makes you happy because Patsy is happy. And she is well, and True is happy and well. And that makes for the best ending, honestly. You know, regardless of what the ending is, as you said, regardless of how the the journey and the story carries on, it's really about the whole book and the whole narrative and the whole story that makes it so unique and special and beautiful. And I also want to talk about, and I don't know if I completely got this wrong, so if I did, please tell me. Going back to Here Comes the Sun, Margot and Dolores put the money under the mattress, and Margot is sleeping with the hotel's highest-paying customers, 
sex happens on a mattress. And so it's literally like the money and the value is all in the mattress. And I was literally just like, oh my gosh, that symbolism is just like, oh my gosh. Okay, good, good. And then looking at the halfway tree, which is in Patsy and also in uh, Here Comes the Sun. And thinking about, and I messaged you about this because I I don't know why, but this really resonated with me about how, you know, especially because you and I both have left our home countries and we've gone to live somewhere else. The concept of having roots in different places and also having stories in different places and existing in different places, but also your heart being in completely different places. I was just wondering, maybe looking at your character's perspective as well, but, but also from your perspective, Do you think it's ever possible to really be in one place when your beginnings and your story started somewhere else? Is it ever possible to really commit yourself to one place or do you always think you'll have one foot in each place or one part of your heart in in, in the other? I would love to know your thoughts on that. I am always, like one foot is is always in each place. My hearts are in two different places and that's really ultimately how I can be able to create these stories, you know, um, like, for example, Patsy was set in Jamaica and in Brooklyn. So I'm, I'm currently living in Brooklyn, but my heart is also in Jamaica where I was born and raised and still visit like once or twice a year because I have family there still. And so that's how it goes. Um, I feel like I can't write um, without really being immersed in both places. And I mean, living in Brooklyn, I love it because even if I can't afford a trip back home just to hear the people and get the senses and all these things, I just go on East Flatbush Avenue or Crown Heights. Um, where um, a lot of Jamaican um, immigrants are congregated just to get a sense of those people and get a sense of our sounds and our, the smells of our food, you know. And so, yeah, that is really helpful with the writing because I have this immersion process where I surround myself with the people I'm writing about. You know, as I get information, maybe eavesdrop sometimes. Sometimes I'm just, just there listening, um, you know, to just like the sounds and the, the different um, affections of accents and it, it's really nice to have. And so I, the, the creative process happens even before I get to the computer. And so it's important for me to be immersed in both worlds, to write about them, you know, just as good as um, if I were there. Oh, I love it. It just, it makes me so happy. I would love for you to imagine that Patsy and Here Comes the Sun have been placed on a shelf great literature frozen in time and I would love to know which books and authors you would want to sit alongside yours on this shelf authors and books that have inspired you people who have inspired you authors I would love to know who would be on your shelf yeah on my shelf definitely Audre Lorde for sure uh Zora Neale Hurston no question about that Toni Morrison um James Baldwin Alice, of course Alice Walker um, in terms of my contemporaries, I'll have Candice Carty-Williams. I'll have Keith Lehman, um, author of Heavy. You know, Julia Otsuka. I just thought that th- those writers, to me, are great writers. And I think, you know, I would definitely love to sit on a shelf with them. That's an amazing bookshelf. Honestly, Nicole, I cannot thank you enough for chatting with me today. Um, really quickly, is there anything that you're working on that you can tell us about? Working on my third novel, but right, it's not at the point yet that I'm willing to talk, to talk about it, but just know it's it's there. This has been one of the greatest honors of my life chatting with you today. I know that Here Comes the Sun is going to be just as special to me as Patsy, but you know how much your books and your writing and everything you do means to me. So thank you so much. And the most 
congratulations for all of your success, all your well-deserved success. And I think the thing that makes me the happiest is that your books will be on shelves for decades and centuries to come. Um, And I know that there will be other generations talking about a Patsy and talking about your Patsy and, and Margot and your character. So thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me. This was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shelf Life. I'd love for you to tell me what you thought of it, either on Twitter or Instagram, or by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time, happy reading.